This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. All right, today's show is sponsored by NatureBox with over 100 delicious snacks. NatureBox makes it easy to find the snacks you want without questioning what's in them. Head over to naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian today and receive 50% off your first box. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Yo, Joey, I'm in Texas. You're in Charleston, but guess what? We're going to do it, and we're going to do it hard. That's right, you baby. Ready? With the with the youth pastor voice is coming live from Charleston, South Carolina, and Texas. Let's uh, do it. Uh, uh, uh. Drop it like it's hot, Joey. Oh, 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 Three, oh, two, oh. one. It's the bad. It's the bad Christian podcast. I did it country for Texas. Yeah, that one's going. That was going out to Mimi Carty, y'all. Yeah. So, Joey, Maybe. we're in Texas today, and uh, you should you should be glad you're not us. We just played our our show yesterday, and we drove down to South Texas. Played a big festival with the Deftones, by the way, which is very cool. Oh, Only cool. problem is we did not get paid. I know. Toby you heard told about, about that already? That. Yeah, Toby told me. That's, re- that's so crazy, man. It's awful. We paid to be here. So. so we've been spending a bunch of money running up a bunch <laughs> of credit card bills and getting hotel rooms and beer and chilies. But we ain't got paid. But we went down to Texas and played a few songs for some people down there. So far, we'll be back soon. we got another show later this uh, weekend here. But so far, it's been like a rough little bit of a trip here I, we talked about it on the, we did an episode today of the break it down podcast where we went in detail about what it means to go fly somewhere to play a show and then not get paid after you paid for the flights and everything so you could you can listen to the whole story over there on that one but the also once i got in the air and landed here found out my well let's see you're not supposed to have favorite children i don't know if you are with grandparents or not but found out my favorite grandparent died while i was yeah too so my grandma mimi is out was passed that, on, uh, as they say. Was that totally out of the blue, other than her being super old? It was a shock at 97 years old. Yeah. Well. No one saw that coming. I, you know, since I moved I'm just to Seattle, saying, like, if my grandma died tomorrow, I'd be shocked because she's not showing any signs of no, death. Well, you not, said you wouldn't be because you've already said goodbye yeah, to her. Yeah. No, different grandma. Different grandma, oh. dude. Well, look, when you're 97, there's no such thing as out of the blue, I don't think. Right. But, yeah, kind of like a normal day. Yeah, almost. so for, for me, and you know, <laughs> since I've been living in Seattle, I get to see her once or twice a year. So for at least for a decade, every time I have, you know, said, see you, Mimi, I'll see you soon. I, you know, in my head, I said, that might be the last time I see my grandma. For that, you know, it's yeah. been over a decade that way. Now, on the other hand, I would never bet against her, you know, because she's really tall, she's really strong. And uh, tell, tell you the truth, I'm not one for sentiment, but she was really, really an amazing, fun woman and i'm wrestling with it because i want to say nice stuff about her in fact my mom's asking me to turn in like something write something for the yeah. pastor to say at the funeral about it which i'm going to the funeral in a couple of days after we do this festival but um i can't that's just not really the way my brain works to say a bunch of nice and sappy stuff so i can only tell you what i think she's like so i was figuring this podcast would be a good opportunity to say nice things about my grandma but in a way that's you know a little more the Bad Christian Podcast. So th- when when you ask what comes to mind about Mimi, the first thing comes to mind is her chasing me and Emory, I- me and Emmy, my sister, around the house with a fly swatter. <laughs> when we were because we, when we were bad kids, she would literally chase us down and hit us with a fly swatter in the summertime for you know for whoopings and stuff like that. 
and uh, she's uh, she's like big and tall. She's one of my most stout family members. Sp- supposedly, she was always really athletic and played basketball with the boys back in the twenties and thirties back then. And she's she's about five ten and weighed about one hundred and fifty pounds and just stood upright and her mind was all good and everything. So she's always been that. Other notable things about Mimi is the most the man who she's most attracted to after her husband died. Uh, yeah. A second to her husband, at least, that she asked me about every time is Devin Shelton. Yeah, she will never <laughs> shut up about Devin Shelton. She says, "I love that Devin. He's so nice. This He's got such the, beautiful skin." I was I mean, when we moved to Seattle, she knew Seth, she knew me a little bit. I mean, knew everybody that moved to Seattle was, but she would talk to me, "Hey, man, how you doing?" And then. She would say, how's Devin? Devin. <laughs> She'd pause for a second and say, he just has wonderful tea. Oh. He's the stuff like that. Like he was like, he was like perfect for her. For her. <laughs> loves Devin. And she used to make fun of my other grandparents, too, because they her mind is sharp and theirs wasn't. And she we'd go to the old folks' home all together, and she'd sit around, and they'd say goofy stuff, and she'd look at us, and she'd laugh, and she'd say, they have no idea what they're talking about. And she would get a big chuckle out of making fun of my other grandparents for not knowing what was going on, but uh, 97 years old and never really had any physical problems. She wound up getting uh, a virus and pneumonia, double pneumonia kind of stuff, and that's what what got her eventually. But she got so old. This is my favorite thing about her. She got so old that about five or six years ago, her eyelids wore out. Wow. So she had to get – she never had – she had perfect vision, but she had to get contacts um, ju- that were zero prescription just to protect her eyes from her eyelids. Because I wonder how many times do you blink in 97 years? Yeah. The things just wore out. <laughs> yeah. It right, became so like rough and was so going to mess up her actual vision. That's insane. <laughs> so this is official. There is no chance for her. Like, she's definitely gone. She's gone. Unless, okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe you know a pastor's secret to resurrect. I don't know. <laughs> really. Pastor's secret. I, not that I know of. But yeah. So, so Matt so Matt Carter, I, I think I can answer this question, but how do you process me saying... Sorry about your grandma, because you know I have to say it, yeah. and I do mean it. Yeah, I figured I, you were even glad because you really like that ability to identify. I mean, you know, that's your thing. Is to, you know, I'm like, glad about your grandma. Well, yeah, you like that to get to identify with people like that. That's very pastoral. It means you get to go into action. This is yeah, like your, your time. Thing. This is like, you know, like this is the pastor in you where you like, you get to do, okay, somebody's hurting. <laughs> I got to move into yeah, action. I got to go, I don't know anything, but the Lord will guide me. I mean, you get to do everything. This is like you being fulfilled right now. But no, I mean, if that's what anybody wants, is it, am I, yeah, can I talk about it lightly? Of course I can. Is it sad? Yes. Uh, and I, I anticipate going to the funeral and seeing my family will be quite moving. I feel, I'm sure, I, in fact, I'm sure I'll cry. I would, have, I would estimate. I can't predict when that time will be, but I'm sure there'll be something emotional about it. Bridget and, and Georgia are coming and everything, but I kind of did never really think it was, I mean, like I said, I, I would never be shocked when somebody that old dies, but at the same time, I would never have bet against her because she's been on her deathbed at least one or two other times Yeah, where they said she wasn't going to make it. And that was a year before and then a long time ago. So she's been that way a lot, but uh, I, you know, and even, and on more than one occasion, uh, my mom claims to have saved her. In fact, my mom has claimed to have saved at least two or three people's lives that I can recount. Wow. Mimi being one of them. And this is the thing about my mom. When she, this is how she saves people's this lives. This is the lady that thinks that a dog committed suicide from being heartbroken. Right. right yeah. yeah. My mom also thinks one of our dogs committed suicide once <laughs> from being lovesick. But uh, my mom, 
saved Mimi's life once before when she was on her deathbed, when she was with the doctors and the doctors were giving her medicine and the doctor said her heart was going to fail. And my mom made them stop taking medicine. My mom's kind of anti-doctor. She says, take, get rid of the medicine. She does this real dramatic stuff. Says that medicine's what's making her sick. That medicine's what, and gets the doctor to not um, give her the medicine. And then, you know, sure enough, Mimi recovers a day and a half later. And then she was all good for like a whole nother year and everything. So and my mom really thinks that, I mean, maybe so, but the, that's a really dangerous way to feel like you've saved somebody's life because yeah. now you think no matter what to save somebody's life, don't like, use medical attention or what doctors say. Yeah, exactly. If my mom comes to you and says, I think I can help. And your mom is very confident <laughs> she has the power. I know. <laughs> and then she thinks she saved my dad's life one time when something happened to his heart and he passed out when he was working on a fence in the yard and uh, my mom thought he was dying or died and she, she hit him in the face as hard as she could <laughs> <laughs> and he lived. <laughs> hey, I uh, actually reached out to your mom because Rosa has a meet in Greenville and I said, hey, Miss Carter, uh, you know, just just seeing if you guys would be, and I think I called it seeing if you guys would be able to open up your, your cabin for our family. And she responded, she said, Hey Joey, uh, I think you have the wrong person. This is Matt's mom. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> who did she think it was? No, she knew who I was. She who did just she thought, think you thought it was? Well, I, I think I just threw her off by calling it a cabin. And I said, well, I, I said, no, I know who you are. I said, uh, basically I'm talking about that room over y'all's garage. And then she said, yeah, we don't have that anymore. And, I, <laughs> and so I said, oh, y'all moved. I didn't realize that. She said, no, we just moved it and connected it you to see, the You see, Joey, my, my mom didn't, doesn't, isn't involved in or hasn't grown up in the evangelical church. So she's not aware of the custom of pastors get everything for free, room and board and stuff like that. She, didn't, she doesn't know about it. She doesn't understand that gotcha. She just thinks you're weird. Gotcha. <laughs> well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, grandma's dying, man. Yeah, it happens. I still got one more grandma left, but they, all my grandparents have been in like in their 90s, so I'm feeling pretty good about my, my family and genetics so far. But yep, going to meet the family. Bridget and Georgia got flights coming out, so I'm going to go see them on Monday. Looking forward to it. We'll uh, try to get the podcast that week, but if you miss me, you miss me. Y'all be okay without me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I could say that, man. I don't know if we're going to be okay without you or not, but hey, our hearts are going to be with you, my friend, and I we're going to be right it. We're going to be right there with you. Joey, so. you've been busy without me being there? What? With me being in Texas on uh, on this little short run that we're doing, you've been able to handle it without me? Yeah, man, definitely. What hey, have you I'm, been up to? What have you been doing? Well, I, uh, Priscilla and I went and saw a Christian movie. Why uh, did you do that? Well, That's the worst thing you could have done. There's a lot done. of good movies out right now. Why I know. Seen- hey, hey listen, listen to the dilemma we're in. All right, so that... Uh, now, the, also, why didn't you why didn't you say the name of the, any other time? You would never go. I went and saw the action an action movie. Well, you would say a, the name of the movie. <laughs> no, the reason being is that I, I'm going to trip a little bit on it, and I just don't. I, I think that would be a little bit mean. So anyway, no, you, you got to say whoa, whoa, the whoa. name of the movie. The, of course, you'll the, say the name I, of the movie. The theater that we were actually oh that, that we do church at. Um, it's, it's like an independently owned theater. And so this, this, this movie was written, it was recorded in Charleston, all that. And they connected with our church to actually get word about. So the, the higher ups at Seacoast. Everybody said, yeah, knows the name of the movie you're talking about. You might as well go ahead and just say, I, I mean, I, that, that wouldn't know. Okay, go ahead. I mean, let me just look it up real quick. I think it's, it's just, God. go ahead. It's, yeah, it's, it's a it's small not, independent movie or yes, something. It's not yeah. one that any, yeah. it was filmed in Charleston. Movie. One okay. of the, 
yeah. one of the actresses. A local is, Christian movie at that. Uh, I mean, no, well, they, it was they, around, yes. they okay. got it around the nation for sure. Uh, but it's just selected theaters and all that. One of the actresses is from Baywatch. And, uh, but anyway, we really were in a dilemma because the theater that we go to, it was showing like spotlight. We really want to see that. It was showing all sorts <laughs> of movies that we want to see. And we got childcare. My parents watched the kids, but I told this, the co-writer, yeah, we're coming to see this movie. She gave us complimentary tickets. But then once we got there, we we're just like, oh my gosh, there's so many movies that we really want to see. And we are not super interested in seeing this, but we did the right thing. Watch this movie. But guys, I cannot tell you how many cliche Christian stuff was jam packed. It was unbelievable. That's the way they all the, are. Oh, but not, not like this one, man. But the part I had to keep myself from laughing out loud because we were in a theater where everybody was just like, Oh, love this. So powerful. So moving. So this lady in the movie dies. And at the funeral, you hear this guy say, Hey, I'm the worship leader at Gracie's church. And the guy's hair's messed up. He's got black glasses. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, she looks exactly like, so the movie is basically trying to portray this, cool worship leader and it looks exactly like worship leaders nowadays it was hilarious so um but here's one thing i picked up on the movie is no matter how cheesy it was no matter how cliche christianese it was jam-packed with no matter how bad a lot of the acting was when they depicted actual movements of god that changed people's hearts. It got me. It gets me every time. Now, here's the thing is I'm actually pretty jaded. <laughs> I'm I'm actually pretty jaded when I hear, oh, so-and-so got saved or 15 kids committed their lives to Christ. I'm just thinking, I, how do you know that? But when I actually see like a real deal life change in real life or depicted in a, a you know, ba basically, Toby, I think you would have eaten this movie up. It's just a Christian Hallmark movie, period. That's what it is. It's a I Christian like Hallmark that. movie. I love Lifetime movies. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it was. So when these people are like having these emotional breakdowns and giving their hearts to Christ, it just gets me all choked up. And so that was one thing I was like, okay, I understand emotions and stuff. And uh, I understand I was raised to be moved by that. But there's just something deep in my heart. I'm like, no, nah, I think this is like how the Holy Spirit operates when our when our hearts are kind of geared towards so when you saw that scene, you literally gospel. thought when you saw the these scenes you thought this is awesome and the holy spirit's moving right now no i definitely felt yeah there's something deep down inside of me which i think is jesus that that makes joey react this way that's just how it, but i also lend credibility to the fact that yeah it just could be my emotions but it just seems deeper to me it seems deeper and that was encouraging for me honestly just as far as my faith journey and just a lot of things I've been thinking through, I was like, wow, this is just purity of, of the gospel. So here's the second huge revelation I had was we go out into the lobby and some of the cast members are there and, you know, these people are just going crazy about this movie. And I'm looking around, I'm like, these people are just so crazy. And I just can't believe like everybody's so hyped up about this movie and stuff. But I was like, wait a second, this these are my uncles and my aunts and my grandmas and my grandpas and my, and I was like, I, and I, I'm like the weirdo, uh, nephew that does stupid things and says stupid things. But anyway, it was just 
a learning experience for me, I think, at the same time to recognize that this whole culture that I felt so out of place in, they're still like my people as far as Christian brothers and sisters. And do you These, think they actually were hyped on it, like loving it? Or do you think yes. they felt like they, is not some of that even, even manufactured on their part to be supportive or something? I don't, you know, you know how Christians are, man. They see, they see a big Christian movie making it to the big screen and then all the truths that they just wish all their unbelieving friends could hear in one movie. And they're just like, man, everybody's got to see this. If yeah, you could just see this movie, man, their hearts are going to be totally changed where I'd be like, man, I I don't know if I want unbelievers to see this movie. I think that's not just Christians, though. That That's that's human nature. I mean, if you're into veganism and there's a vegan documentary about how bad it is to eat cows and you want people to hear it. And so I, I don't think that's just Christians, but I, I mean, I would totally disagree with you that that's Gosh, it sounds so cynical to say that I totally disagree. It was the Holy Spirit, but no, I don't mind. Here's what I would say to that. I was, I, it's funny that you bring this up because I had an emotional experience in a movie and I literally got choked up just like you, you said, and, uh, it was in, <laughs> it was in the latest Avengers movie, age of Ultron. <laughs> I, so this is why I don't believe it because have y'all seen that movie? Okay. No, I haven't seen that one. Well, the I won't give it away, Avengers but there, there's one part where a, a newer young young girl mutant, maybe she's 20, I don't know, uh, somebody dies or whatever, and she's and they're trying to protect this one thing from the, the Ultron, all these bad guys, right? And one of the guys goes, uh, "Can uh, here, I'll, I'll stay here and protect you. She goes, no, I'll stay. It's my job. And, like she had this when she decided to be a part of their team or whatever, and I went, Hah! And my, I got a little bit of, <laughs> I don't know why. She said, it's my job. I wrote it down. I, couldn't believe, I was like, why did I just feel that way? Like, it was this thing where she was joining the team officially kind of in her own way, and she was putting her life on the line to save, I don't know, some kind of electronic thing. <laughs> it didn't matter. It got me. I immediately got a lump in my throat. And so when you, when I hear you say that, I was like, oh, well, I mean, Age of Ultron got me. So that, was that the Holy Spirit? I mean, no, was it, I, like there's mutants protecting an electronic thing. Was right. that the Holy Spirit? Like the only reason you say Holy Spirit is because they were talking about God or a life change. But I mean, in that the exact same thing in the Age of Ultron was that girl growing up, so uh, a super I won't I won't say who, but somebody died in the movie and and blah 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 such and such. It's the same setup. It's the same thing. Like oh man, this girl's growing up and she's putting her life on the line for our cause. And yeah, so that's I, not the Holy Spirit. That's just praise on our emotions because. We actually do have innate some emotions that make us like children or think children are cute and take care of them. Or when somebody dies, it hurts and we put our, we realize our mortality and all those things are set up. So that's why I don't know. I wouldn't say it's, I mean, the Holy spirit, I, see, I wouldn't know necessarily I go there where, immediately. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. You could be right. I think the reason why it's different for me though, is because it's the same reaction that I have in a just a casual conversation with someone and they're not even saying it in an emotional way. They just say, yeah, man, my uncle is just crazy. The, the lifestyle that he was living and the trajectory that he was going. And then dude, he just heard about Jesus. And like, that will get me in the same way the movie did. So yeah, but I mean, that's just your preference though. That that's not the Holy spirit. That's, that's what you like here. Like that's the exact same thing as me saying, man, I really like it when a mutant decides to join the Avengers. (laughs) And when I hear that, and then she puts her life on the line to protect. I mean, that's just what I, I like. I like superhero movies. 
That I mean, you like hearing stuff about God, so that's not I, the Holy Spirit. It's just yeah, your preference. but I, Joey knows how jaded he is towards. I know all how this jaded stuff. I am and, to non mutants and, and mutants. I mean, nah. seriously. I just disagree in this in this case. I, I, no, but it's just I, what you like. I mean, you're saying you're a mo, but I mean that's what you like hearing. Like if somebody said something, man, no, I tell you what, it's really that, crazy, man. My son, he just didn't care at all about baseball, and then one day it clicked, and now he is just so awesome baseball. You wouldn't go, man. The Holy Spirit, man, moved him, and he's using his talents and gifts now. He didn't even think about baseball, and now he's batting two seventy five. I mean, you wouldn't. That's all I'm saying. So you don't, you don't give anything to like. I mean, you know, there's power in the gospel message. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we are. No, you're saying that the Holy Spirit moved through that movie, and I'm saying no. I think that preys on something that you like. No, I didn't say the Holy Spirit moved through that movie. I said the Holy Spirit inside of me reacted to the gospel message. That's two totally different things. That movie didn't do anything for me. The movie was like. Cheeseball Hallmark movie. No, that's, but you're saying, that's, you're saying that's the Holy Spirit saying, moved in you because you saw somebody accept Christ. Yes, because I'm sitting there watching a movie that I just think is hilarious, and I'm like, this is horrible. The acting is horrible. Like the, <laughs> the it's put together horribly, and then all of a sudden I get choked <laughs> up. I mean, that's just weird, man. So no, I, no, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Not weird. It's totally normal. It's the exact thing that you would do. Agree to disagree. That's exactly what you would do. You would go to I a movie mind, and get choked up. I don't, I don't mind Toby believing that. That's fine. Well, here's my question. In a movie, in a Christian movie, do people raise their hands? <laughs> Did any people raise their hands up? No, there, there were some clapping moments, like when someone accepted Christ, and, and I was just like, you got to be kidding. So we're, yeah. So, I yeah, I, it, was, uh, it was something else. It was actually a very, I would say, a very encouraging night that I could come out of that thing not, twisted and been out of shape and felt the same way mean spirited. <laughs> hey i got a i got a quick question that's something that just bugs me to no end and i don't understand how people don't realize how stupid this is but maybe you guys can give them a little bit more grace than i can but people when someone's having a baby and they've already had two girls let's say and someone says something stupid like, well, you know, the chances of having a boy, they're pretty high. You've already had two girls. I mean, oh, that's yeah, yeah. totally, no, you ever, now at the very beginning, like before you have any babies, I mean, you could say, yeah, the chances of you having a boy, if you're going to have four babies, sure, pretty high percent, but having uh, a kid inside of you right now and you've already had two girls, those two girls mean nothing to the percentage. It's 50-50. Right. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, you're that? totally right about that, statistically speaking, mathematically. And also, it goes way worse than that as far as silly or, you know, as you put it, stupid things that people say about uh, genders of babies. So what you're like, essentially, any any given child you would have would be like a coin toss that's the way you would look at it right, if it's 50 exactly. 50 which it is then it doesn't matter the the past coin tosses the next coin toss is still a 50 50 so if you've had seven girls in a row your next child is still 50 50 right. now that is not even what bugs me but people go way off the deep end worse than that that i think is hilarious like uh well i'll reference my mom again she says stuff like and this is awful to even hear from my mom but she says 
the sexual position you use can will dictate where you have where you go. <laughs> and then she makes some weird references to that that's how you got here or whatever something that makes me wildly uncomfortable but i hear a lot of people do stuff like uh sexual position what time of the month stuff you do you know there's there's there is no shortage of of people who have uh folklore or wives tales or home remedies of how you control the sex of a baby and i can without reading any journals or studies i can reject that outright and here's why here's why i reject any of those claims that people make of no it's more likely to do this first of all most people is very anecdotal like well my aunt did this she ate watermelon and she had a boy what or they you know stuff like that but if you think about it Think about all the amazing things that humans have discovered over time. So think about the Mayans. The ancient Mayans figured out how to build a temple based on observation of where the sun would rise at different parts of the year so that the shadows in the temple would cast this on these days in the future. People figured out how to use plants, obscure plants, and cook them, prepare them in a way that, that would have a recreational drug effect in many, many different isolated areas like people have figured out the craziest things in the world that would take tons of time and generations and testing to figure out like without even modern science all of human history is full of stuff that has been sorted out by even primitive people that is unbelievable like multi multi multi-step difficult processes have been sussed out unbelievable i would also suggest to you there's nothing that would be cared about more then all those other things people have figured out then being able to, in all of antiquity, select to have a higher chance of having a son. Agree? Every Agree. king, yeah, right. all, all societies have had male preference of all of time. Right. And we've never seen any society that doesn't have a, about a 50 point something percent distribution of, of male to female. Right. Yeah. So if it was figure outable based on simple things, it would be figured out. It would be yeah. done. The Chinese would know it. The ancient uh, Persians would have known it. Anybody would have figured it out if it was a matter of when you do it in a cycle or a sexual position. There's nothing to it. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what article you read. You, my friend, will have a 50-50 chance of whatever your baby's going to be. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and in addition to that, after someone is pregnant, People do the whole, oh, you're carrying high. That's right, gonna be right, a right, you can't. And and here's here's the thing is, you know what? Fifty percent of the time those people are right and they say, See, I told you you were carrying right. high, that's a boy. Yeah, but then the other fifty percent yeah. they say, Well, I mean, it's not always the case. I mean, it's not always right. <laughs> now the problem it's with so this stupid. is I well, first of all, I'm thrilled to for a you know, a skeptical person like me to have agreement from the other two people on the show. But I feel like there are probably 80% of people listening to this podcast carry around some dumb assumption about, you know, gender selection out there. So we're probably, everybody's probably irritated at, at, at the three of us, you know, there's a deeper issue position. here. I mean, it really is too. Like, don't you think that that is just some kind of control thing that we have? Like, like we, we, we even think we can be in control of that. Like you don't have any control or say, I get into so many arguments about, yeah, about maybe free, right you know, freedom of choice and all this stuff that we have and, and free will, I guess I should say rather. But, uh, I mean, just like it, it, it's this superstition thing is some kind of weird thing. Isn't it like, Oh, you know, like I remember Devin's mom used to do this. What was it? A pencil thing. Yeah. Devin's and mom. It would tell you how many kids she oh, was yeah. like, Here's what she wrong. That, that's what everybody would say. She never she'll did. take a pencil eraser and hang she did it that with from Priscilla. a, 
string and hold it over the palm of your hand. And if it rotates one way, it's a boy. If it rotates one way, it's a girl. And she's been right X number of times. Now, yeah. she's a super uh, Christian evangelical woman. And when she does it, she makes sure if she ever does it for anybody, she looks at him dead and I goes, I ain't no witch. Yeah. I ain't, so no, witch. ain't no witch. <laughs> it's not anything funny, but for some reason it just worked. But she believes that's crazy superstitious thing and does it and has to qualify that she ain't no witch when right. she does it. <laughs> and it's really funny too because like that's just so bizarre because it's like a way of I mean that yeah. is actually what the Bible says not to do. It's like right. divining whether yeah. or not I mean it, it, I'm not saying I'm not think she's a witch or doing anything evil right. but it's it's absurd. Well, it's like, funny too because to, I mean, to like, there used to not be pencils. So, what did people do back then? <laughs> like, it's, that's not something that's carried through antiquity. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something that somebody decided. But, uh, like, I've, it, it's really funny thinking about like being superstitious or like my dad, for sure. So many times I've been trying to watch a Clemson football game with him, and he'll swear that when we turned it on, because he started watching it, they started losing. Like he's a chance. Yeah, and he, he will turn it off and mm -hmm. not watch the game and because he, really he believes is that. making them lose. And, I, and I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? Like, we let's watch the football. It's entertainment. We're, we're not, it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, like, the issue there being that he actually is right. arrogant enough to think he impacts a football game that's happening. But that's some kind of deep-seated control thing. Like, you're completely out of control. You're going to die. You don't have any control in this life. You're just lucky to be on this spinning ball <laughs> some, and all this stuff. And, like, you just go, yep, well, I know this, or I, I'm going to do this. It's really bizarre. You know what else they say, too? Like, um, if you – I think there was a study or something like this I read where well, – I've been listening to a podcast, but if you believe, like, one of these things, like, if you would say, yeah, I'll believe that the pencil thing will work, then you'll almost believe – a little bit of anything yeah. like like Bigfoot. If sure. you say, I believe in Bigfoot, then you will believe in conspiracy theories. You will believe like in all kinds of things. Stuff. There, right. Yeah. Like, like Joe, you kind of, uh, maybe you've changed your mind now a little bit, but I mean, because for example, you believe in God that probably uh, statistically makes you potentially open to believe in other, other stuff that people, it, that is really crazy. Non -based well. based so, me too. Me too. <laughs> like, because I believe in God, even like because that is some kind of spiritual thing that can't actually be proven necessarily uh, in in fa factual stuff or, or evidence necessarily. Um, it I'm open to some superstition. I do have mm -hmm. a few superstition things. Like I know it sounds crazy. There are times where I will walk down the sidewalk and skip cracks. I don't know why, but I feel like if I step on it, it could do something. Or I have uh, this is really funny. I've been exercising a ton. And I won't sprint on minute 13 because I'm scared that 13 is bad really? and, and I'll fall. So I'll only walk. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll only walk and then I'll sprint hard on 14 to go even a little longer. I don't know why. I tell myself, I'm telling myself this is stupid. This isn't right. But I'll still do it. So I'm, I'm just as crazy as everybody else. Well, nothing else, will bring but... it out than being at like the craps table. Do what? Like you're at the craps table, yeah. roulette table. Every, that, that's right. unbelievable. It's like, well, this girl, she's hot. And she, I mean, hot, not hot body but she's a hot shooter hot yeah, roller yeah. or whatever you know it's just whatever you get into gambling will bring out the most a baseball's real Man, bad you don't too. do anything super like there's no superstition well, I certainly stuff play you. along when i'm doing stuff like rolling dice or whatever you know yeah. the, the more it gets out of your control where it's like really something like that you're looking you're grasping for anything right do you know what i mean like and part of it's probably a little fun yes yeah. it's, it's fun yeah. to play the pencil game yes yeah, or to do a voice you know what i mean that there is some entertainment in that and, and i mean i get it but like it is it's fun like even i yeah. mean 
Like they said, uh, too, I think it's like uh, that uh, skeptic guy was talking about it. Um, the astrology, they took all oh, the yeah, a- yeah, all astrological, uh, you, you, it'll tell your astrological, what is it? You know, like your daily horoscope. horoscope. Yeah, yeah. They took all the horoscopes and just put them on different ones. Yeah, no difference. So like you're a Pisces or Aries. They just switched them, and everybody's like, yep, that's me. It nailed me. Yeah, of course. All, <laughs> nobody knew a difference. Hey, you, you know, know one, I, one I like is the personality test that people do. All they are is like just generally flattering. I mean, they're all right. different, but people like, yeah, that's me. Like, you know, but right. it's usually flattering things that they're sharing on the Facebook thing. Right. Like, you are commanding when in this position or whatever, yeah. you know, or or they'll say you're really tender and reserved and it's because you love it. Like, right. they don't, they don't, you could say the negative side of every personality test and they'd be like, well, this is bullshit. I know. It's like <laughs> the one that's like commanding leader who does good in this situation. If they said, uh, asshole that doesn't care about the marginalized, yeah. Yeah. So you go, well, fuck, this thing done right. This thing's no. not. This thing's broken. It's in a good test. You know, Joey and I just took one. I was kind of thinking that I was like, you know, makes me sound like uh, I'm pretty good. Like I just, you know, right. I really get things done, and I use manipulative power maybe to even like this. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh wait a minute, what? If it was being truthful, yeah. it's like you're kind of shitty. Every once in a while, you're lazy. Well, how about this one? It's like uh, you know, other people, uh, Th- Theodore Roosevelt, Albert Einstein. And George Washington were your type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, you know, this thing's pretty dead on. Yeah, people, that's what I'm saying. You just want that <laughs> stuff. You just want it, and you don't know, and it's just it, you just want it. It's fun, and that's that's what it is. Well, it is. To, to be sure, there are going to be some articles coming our way that say at the beginning of the menstrual cycle on the tenth day, you're more likely to have a girl, or whatever. So you know, we'll see. But I'm sure, I'm sure we have some articles heading our way that say that. I'm sure that that. There's stuff like that out there, but um, we're, we're going good here. Let's take a break real quick, and then I'll tell you what. We'll come back, and we'll, we'll have an interview that we did do a little bit ago with our friend Mike McCann um, that I, we caught last time we were in Charleston. He's the guy that, that Toby and Joey know that, that wrote a book, and we sat down with him and talked to him a little bit. So we've got a, a short interview from him, and then we'll be right back with news after that. Sound good? Do it. Yeah. Uh, Toby, Joey, I, I saw that you also did, but I just got – a new shipment of Nature Box, and me and my family love it. is flipping out about yeah. it. It's yeah. too good. It's amazing. Uh, it's the best thing because what Georgia eats and what Bridget eats and what I eat is all different. We're yeah. all totally on different diet plans, as everybody knows. But Nature Box has stuff for all of us, and the one thing it had, the one thing our stuff has in common is we don't eat crap. We all eat yeah, stuff that's, right. that's good. And with NatureBox, we know there's no nonsense, no garbage in the stuff. And the main thing about it for us is it's a really positive thing to know that we've got good snacks with no artificial nonsense. So when we get tempted, we've got good stuff there because tem- right. the temptation comes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like for Joey and I, it, uh, sometimes I think of it as Donut Sunday because every Sunday morning there's donuts there or right. – Always in the office, somebody brings cookies or whatever it might be. And if you aren't prepared and you're hungry, you're going to end up eating something mm-hmm. that's not good for you. This high in sugar, high in fat, whatever it might be, it's just not going to be good. It's not going to be planned. So that's why Nature Box is so awesome because you can plan ahead and it comes right to your door, super simple, and you get great snacks that taste delicious and you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. cheating or you're able actually just to resist. Yeah, we you got have great snacks. That's great. We got five new snacks last week, and the one I got was cheddar and onion sunflower kernels. Oh, which I got those. It's perfect awesome. for my diet. It's low in sugar. It's more of a protein and fat kind of snack, which yeah. is exactly what I'm eating. And so that's the ones that I got. And then Bridget is eating dark cocoa nom noms, which oh, are yeah. great. 
Yeah, so oh, nice. we're the same way. Like like Jess doesn't eat the same way as I do, and it's awesome because I'll get sriracha roasted cashews, which are probably my favorite. I mean, it's just the best flavor. I love cashews, and then to have sriracha in the heat is just so good. But then we'll get like for her, she got smoky. Um, I think it's called simply smoky nut mix. So that sounds good. Good, yeah, it's great. It's- How about you, Joey? What do you like? Yeah, well, you guys know with my zero sugar, low carb diet. Uh, I actually tried two different types of jerky, and I'm telling you, man, it was awesome jerky. Like, oh, really good. Just I haven't had above it. and like beyond to. what you would ever buy in the store. I mean, it was really good. I had the teriyaki kind and then just the regular kind. And actually, I think I like the regular kind better. Yeah, the original beef really, jerky really is good. amazing. Well, Nature yeah. Box has over 100 ridiculously de- delicious snacks that they source from all over the world. And you can choose. You just you go on the website, you choose. They make it really easy to find the snacks that you want without questioning what's in them. Plus, they're constantly ask. They're constantly uh, adding new ones for you to discover. They they believe that you shouldn't eat something you don't like. So if you ever find a snack you don't like, they'll replace it in your next box for free. You cannot do that That's with crazy. any other snack. So here's what we here's what you got to do. You got to go to naturebox.com/badchristian right now and here's what you'll get. 50% off your first box of delicious and unique snacks without any of the junk. That's naturebox.com/badchristian for 50% off your first box of the best tasting snacks in the world. Is it weird, Mike? Like to what was your reaction the first time you listened to this podcast? The first, and how'd you find out about it? I'm curious because yeah, there's a lot too. of people at our church that I didn't even know to you it. listened to it. Joey told me you listened to the podcast. I didn't even know. It was funny because I was I was telling Matt before we got back on here, like I found out about all the band and everything like that, like all yeah. secretive. Not like you guys walk around with you know, hey, guess what I do, guys? Right. You know, so I found out about the band and then I found out about Bad Christian shortly after that, and I was like, oh, well, I love podcasts. Let me check right. this out. And first thing I heard was like, oh my. God, they're swearing. What is this? <laughs> and so then I, I talked to uh, SJ, who's like our small group leader, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, I just yeah. kind of just kind of tried to prep me, but I didn't know what she was prepping me for. And then I listened to it. I was like, oh. Talking about Sarah? Yeah. Sarah. yeah, yeah. And so I, I, when I listened to the, the podcast, I was like, okay. She told you, be careful that she, it's well, worse just, than you think. <laughs> she just said, well, she knows I'm not a not a goody two-shoes, but she's, you know, she tells me just it's a little bit different. You know, it's right. not going to be like Joey up there preaching on Sunday mornings. Right, it's right. going to be a little bit different than what you're kind of used to. <laughs> So I think the first episode I listened to was uh, you guys had on uh, you had on a transvestite, and I was like, yeah. okay, this is an interesting episode to start with. Right. Okay, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm getting getting in there quick, but right. you know, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to see that you guys have something that's outside of the church that you guys are doing. And I originally I thought the podcast was you know got a few listeners. I didn't realize it is what it is it's yeah. so large you're so. about to sell millions of copies by the way <laughs> i mean so <laughs> we're huge M- millions of copies of what joey <laughs> mike are you a is our listeners here need to know who you are and what you do millions of copies of an album a book uh what is it i wrote a book recently okay so december this past year po- published a book it's called believe eg21 mm-hmm. and it's actually a true story so uh, back in 2005, I played football here in Charleston at Charleston Southern, and we had this incredible event that happened to us. A, a teammate of ours passed away just before our season started. Eddie Gadsden. Right? Eddie Gadsden was his name, yeah. And uh, we were supposed to be, before this all happened, we were supposed to be our you know best season in school history, which wasn't saying much back then. We'd never even had a winning season. And uh, we dedicated our season to Eddie, our, our fallen brother. He was, you know, uh, he was 
awesome team leader. He was the starting starting receiver. He led the conference in all sorts of categories, all kinds of stuff. And he left a huge impact on a lot of us. And so he was one of those that just we missed him a lot. And in from more a ways. football perspective, y'all are also riding on him for a good season. Yeah, exactly. He was a big part of our offense. We had a very pass heavy offense, and he caught like 60, 70 balls that yeah. year. What so, was your position? What did you play? I was a safety. Safety. Yeah. So I was opposite of him. So we had a nice little rivalry, mm-hmm. and our lockers were next to each other. So I knew him. He wasn't one of my, you know, best buddies, but, you know, he left an impact on a lot of people. And so the, the book is about how we went through that season and what we did to dedicate that season to him, which was just something more than just, you know, you play for wins and losses, but it was just an incredible thing that we were able to put together. So, yeah. So y'all were five and five in 2004, right? That's and right. And how did the 2005 season go when y'all were playing for Eddie? Well, it sucked originally. We right. started off 0 and 2. Yeah. And then we won a couple games that you're supposed to win. You yeah. know what I mean? And then we, we, lost a couple more games. We went through the whole season and it was just up and down, up and down. Right. And at the end of it, we found ourselves with a three game stretch of conference games. And if we won back to back to back games, we would have had at least a piece of the conference championship. Right. And the final game of the season, we were there ready to play for that last final game to win a conference championship, which was unfathomable as the season started. Right. We were picked dead last in the conference. We had never, we'd won one conference game exactly in the 15 years of the program at that point. Yeah. And we'd only, we'd never had a winning season. Like five and five was like, hoorah. It was wow. a big deal in 2004, when, my first season there. So it was, it was just a story that n- was never told to anybody. Like yeah. news never picked it up, never got put on ESPN, all that kinds of stuff. And so we sat around for a long time just thinking somebody's going to come and do a 30 for 30 or somebody's right. going to say something about it on ESPN and it just never happened. How did that last game go? Well, that last game was. Are you going to be giving? Are you, are you making them give away? The, oh yeah, that's the, right. Stuff? That's right. I mean, I can, I can tell you. Yeah, you strategize. You read the book. You strategize. I could. I could. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Um, with with three minutes left in the game, we were down by two touchdowns. Nice. Leave it there. Leave it there. <laughs> uh, seriously, you. Hold on, can uh, I ask? But a question? it's a happy yeah, yeah. story. It's uh, a happy story. Uh, and what year was that? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. So right. this is very interesting. But I am a Charleston Southern alum. I don't know if I told you that. Really? Ever. Yep. I went to Charleston Southern uh, in <laughs> it ninety four. Ninety four and ninety five. So <laughs> ten oh, years before. Wow. <laughs> before you were there. Now here's the funny thing that I want to talk about. <laughs> Charleston Southern was Baptist College of, mm-hmm. of Charleston for a yeah. while. And when I was there, I was wondering if they were still there. They were. It was really interesting. Very strict. Like, girls couldn't cross the threshold of your room. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was all kinds of stuff. You know, any no, definitely no drugs or alcohol in your room, anything like that. Were you tempted by that or something? What oh, I... yeah. I mean, I broke all those oh. rules. <laughs> Every possible rule that you there was, I, I would never. I mean, I always crossed thresholds. I always drank. <laughs> I smoked a ton of marijuana on campus. You were the one that everybody was trying to save. And, and, <laughs> and what is really hilarious about that, too, is, that is where I got saved. I think yeah. that is officially where I got saved because of people at the school, my friends praying for me, telling me about stuff because I was just like floating and I still did even after that some, but that was a real change in my life for God, but none of the rules did that. There yeah. were no legalistic rules or anything. All that stuff pushed me farther away. It was, it was actually people going, Hey, we're friends. What are you doing? With you? Uh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I mean, this yeah. stuff's, Got hold of you, but I was wondering, did did any of that stuff? That was the same way it was when you were there too. It, it wasn't quite as strict. I mean, you couldn't have like girls couldn't be in your dorm room or right. anything like that. Um, it, it was just uh, it, there was a lot of rules, but it was also like 
people still broke a lot of the rules. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, there was still plenty of ways to get around it. If you really wanted to get something in your dorm room, you could. Right. But you really want, <laughs> really wanted to sneak a girl in, there's ways right. to do that. <laughs> I'm thinking about we had a football guy, uh, big old, huge, 275-pound guy, and he had this girl that he was dating, and he put her in his travel football bag, which is used for your helmet <laughs> and your pads and your cleats and all this well, gross stuff that you take yeah. on, a, on a away trip. Stuffed her in there, threw her over his oh back, and carried her into his dorm room. <laughs> so if you were really wanting to get a girl in right. your room, there was ways to do it. <laughs> what what'd you learn through the whole process of writing a book? Like, was this your first stab at writing a book? This was my first stab at writing a, writing a real book. I wrote a little, short little e-book that was 30, 40 pages that was kind of just practice for this. Yeah. Um, I learned so much just about um, creating creating a piece of art and having to like kind of go back through it and starting it yeah. and have an idea of where I want it to be at the end of things. But I started this process two and a half years ago. And when I finished it, it was not exactly what I originally started off with, but it was better. It, it, yeah. And going through that process of learning all the ways that I can improve my writing, editing myself, having to actually format the book because I self-published it, having to go through and actually figure out where I want these page numbers, where I want all this different stuff, all these technical little things that I had no idea I was getting myself into when I said, I'm going to publish a book. I'm going to yeah. do this. And so I, I learned just a lot about myself and how much I cared about this piece of work after you'd invested so much time into it. Yeah. So but That's really interesting because that's like kind of what we've done now with Emory, like the idea. So when you're saying, you, you, when, you, when you started this, you just thought, oh, I'll write. And then it became way more like even down to uh, aesthetic value of the book and all that stuff that the, the font used on the front and cover the design, all that stuff. You, you came up with all that solo. So I, uh, the, the only thing that I did not do, I actually hired an editor, but she, she worked alongside me, of course. And then I hired uh, somebody to do the cover design, which was, I was working with a design company at the time and they were able to do our, my cover and like lay out everything. But I actually went through and I did all the formatting on each one of the pages. So I, there's very little else that I could have done to have my hands on the whole book so it was yeah there was a lot to actually do in that in that case and looking back on it, I'd probably change some of that next time but it's interesting when it. you get into yeah. a creative thing because you 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 get into stuff you didn't think you signed up for mm -hmm. you know but that involved that if you approach it earnestly that becomes really valuable in the long run that the difference to me and when people do creative stuff is, is the people that already knew that they're good and they know they're good, and thus everything they do, they say it's good enough, and, and it may turn out not that great. But they, you know, you, if the, if your assumption is whatever you've done is already going to be good because you just know in your heart it is, then I think that's that's a, a problematic place to be. I think that it's when when you can really assess something and go, oh, this this totally isn't good. Is the only way as you're going through the process to, to go, oh man, I. I'm no good at editing. I'm no good at graphics. I have no idea what a photo shoot should look like. I don't know. This is only when you can really say, I don't even know if this writing is good. Can you, can you get any better at it? That's oh, the, yeah. And so, it's, it's, so it is really says something when somebody can complete a task all the way through. Because most people have a manuscript, not yeah. a self-published book. No, yeah. And that's what a lot of people would come up to me afterwards and they say, well, I like this part about that, or I like this part of the book. I like this, the way that you wrote this. And I look back on it. Those were some of the hardest things that I worked on. Cause I knew I approached it like that. Like I approach it as an amateur. I am not a writer. I didn't mm -hmm. go to school for this. I haven't been doing this my whole life. It's just something that I took on. And I thought this is something that actually it, it's something that I felt was kind of dropped on me and I, I took it and ran with it. And 
I, I realize this is not what I'm good at. This is not what I'm natural at doing. So I'm going to approach it as an amateur and really work on those rough edges. And it came out better, like I said, better than I wanted it to because I was humble enough to approach the, the Were work you able to get way. feedback about what was bad about it, though? Uh, I did, yeah. I had, a, I had an editor. My editor read it for me early. She's actually my aunt, which was great because she was able to really look at it and say, honey, this, this kind of sucks, but <laughs> this is great. This, this part is uh, what we need to run with, and this should probably be cut out. And it wasn't something where I was, I've got thick enough skin to not, to not be hurt by that. You know? So that was very helpful to do that before I actually put it out there for the rest of the world to see. What's been more satisfying, like actually completing the book and saying, man, I did this or like selling the book? <laughs> uh, de- com- completing it, definitely. Yeah. It's been cool because, well, I mean, until I'm, the show hasn't been published yet, so I haven't sold a million copies like you promised right. me. Right. So, it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, been, it's been publishing it and putting it out there. And I told myself when I was writing the book and when yeah. I started this that, yeah, I'll be happy if I sell 100 copies. Right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy because I've sold more than 100 copies. But at the same point in time, you put so much, and you guys know this, you put so much of your heart and your soul into something like this, you want to tell everybody. Yeah. And just give them the chance to tell you, you know, is it good or does it suck? Or you want them to have the opportunity to right. experience it and enjoy it like you enjoy it, you know, right. or like you know that other people have enjoyed it. I will yeah. have to say that isn't the way I did. Really? really? <laughs> no, I don't ever tell people about my new album <laughs> or my shows in town. Really? You know? <laughs> and I'm not... uh I, I'm Why? not doing that in a false humility way. I, I really like when people at my church and stuff and people on back home, like, you got to tell me when you're playing in town next. I'm like, I definitely will for sure, but never, <laughs> no. never. But do. do you think that's because you've been doing it for sure? So long yeah. yeah so so saying, saying, like, from a privileged position. First, how many people did yeah. you tell the first time we played in Tacoma? Yeah, you're right. Definitely. That's what I'm saying. I know I saw from a privileged position, but right. at this point, I don't mention new albums or. Or. Well, what, uh, one thing I would like <laughs> maybe to maybe one day I'll be there. <laughs> we're uh, we're in the process of writing another book for Bad Christian too, but which like, I read what, the other one this week actually. Oh, really? Oh, oh, the first one at least. Um, so we're we are you're still going to our church. Yeah, yeah, we are. Wow. Ter- we are terrible at writing. Crazy. The, the thing I, that I find interesting is when like was there something that you felt like like when you went to write the story, uh, what like just actually craft wise, what what surprised you of how hard it was or easy it was? Like was it dialogue or the narrative did you get hung up on the narrative or remembering stuff or interview well like what was was there anything that you're like dang this is way harder than i thought the the hardest part of the entire process was the format because i had already put like everything into the writing process and then i poured out everything again into the editing process because i wrote it in smaller chunks of here's this story here's that story and i had to kind of mix and match and put them back in the places where they were and i thought i was going to be done after that i thought somebody else was going to format it for me and when i came to that formatting i was just drained and i had nothing else left and then i had to figure out how to do all of that again so i learned how to do these three pretty unique skills all at once and so that was the ending part of it but uh the hardest part for me was to 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 not look like an amateur when I wrote the book. And I'm sure that still does look like an amateur, but I did a lot of the things that are like basic writing 101 type of stuff. Like I used, um, I used the wrong tense in, in two different ways in a, in a paragraph. Oh, yeah. And that was something that happened so often. I was like, come on again, I'm in page, you know, 200 of the book and I'm still writing like that. So yeah. that was just little stuff like that, that are just kind of basic craft knowledge that I, yeah. I didn't realize I was doing the whole time that I picked up. I picked up when I had, you know, the book three fourths written. So <laughs> I wrote, I wrote about a quarter that was good. I didn't have to edit as much, and I had to go back and re-edit all that earlier stuff. So, so I think, I think the same way, like with like me writing songs or whatever too. 
in that, it sounds like what you're saying, and maybe maybe you have a different take on it. Your identity in when you write something, your identity is wrapped up in that too. Like you are, like I'm, and with a song, I'm telling a story, or there, there's something that I want to say, and it might have even been a real story, like like yours is a real story, but Mike or, or Toby is actually right, wrapped up within that too. So when you say it your identity's there as well. So it, it takes longer because you want it to really be right because that that's it. Once it's written and printed, that's it. You can't go back and go, well, I actually meant this or no, no, I know, you know, that's, it's not just conversation. So like on each of our records, the songs I've written, now people ask me, what, what did you mean by this? Now, why did you know, did you, what, what is this? And, and, and my identity will be wrapped up in those records forever. So when I go to write a song to me, sometimes writing lyrics, uh, are for sure it takes way longer because I go I got to say it the right way so that I'm okay with it five or ten or twenty years from now too. Oh, for sure there was there was one point in the book when I I was trying to write something about about Eddie, um and and Eddie's Eddie's uh, parents are mixed Eddie's dad's black his mom's white and there was a part talking about Eddie how he was able to kind of cross a lot of boundaries because of that because yeah. he had you know two different people in his household that he grew up with, you know, a black dad, white mom. And so he crossed a lot of boundaries, but also at the same time, he, um, he sometimes felt like he was an outsider. Like he didn't belong to any one particular crew. Yeah. And when I write, when I wrote that originally it came out really bad. And I sent an early copy of the book to both of his parents and they were both like red flag. You can't put this about our son. Like, and I realized how bad that was going to be interpreted. And so what that made me put? much more conscious. Uh, just that he was, he didn't really have a group of, of close friends, something uh, like that. And it, and it, I, when I went back and read it, it just didn't sound good at all. It made him sound like this sad puppy off in the corner when yeah. he had, he had tons of friends and it wasn't, it wasn't that way. And so yeah. I, I ended up kind of rewording that whole section of it. But was he future pro material? Gonna, yeah. What's that? Was he future pro material? I mean, it was, uh, you never know. I mean, yeah. it's really hard. He was a sophomore in college right, from a one double a school. Right. Uh, but also at the same time, this kid had so much heart that yeah. you, you wouldn't, I would never be surprised by anything this kid yeah. did. Yeah. Um, but it was, it would be a long shot for him. So it's believe EG 21 play like there is no tomorrow. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sorry to bring you guys copies. I know uh, I was listening to the episode a couple weeks ago. I would have given Joey's, you know, yours for free, but you guys would have to pay for yours. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me, uh, you, you do bring an interesting perspective onto uh, this episode. So we've, we've had people say things along the lines of, Hey, do you, do you not find it hypocritical that you're, you're one thing on the podcast and something totally different, um, you know, at church and Toby and I, we we've recognized there is a demographic at our church that we're thankful at this point they haven't got into podcasting because it just wouldn't work. I mean, you know that just as well as I do that there there's some bleeding over that just would not mesh. And uh, I mean, leadership of our church has even said, "Hey, this has been able to coexist as long as it has because there hasn't been uh, that much overlap." Sure. Um, how do, how do you reconcile the two? Like, do you see, oh, man, that is really weird. I hear one thing on there, and then, I mean, what, what are your it, it, thoughts It's interesting because, I mean, I, I grew up in church. I didn't always go to church, but I, I grew up in a church where it was very, you know, we nobody in my family drank. My dad would have a beer. My mom's whole side of the family, we'd get together with 35 people, and there wouldn't be a drop of alcohol in the room. And, yeah, it, same we, as me. and it was just like, it was a very, I don't want to say strict, but it was very much like everybody minded their P's and Q's. Right. And like, if we would have ever heard our pastor at that point, like curse right. or, or drink mm-hmm. beer or right. be seen at like, a, you know, a place that even served alcohol, right. it would have been, 
like the same level of right. having an affair almost. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like, um, and then I, I kind of, I grew up, I went to Charleston Southern. And so seeing that, I actually met a handful of people. And the first time that I ever saw somebody who was kind of involved in ministry yeah. have a beer was a guy named Bo and he was a campus outreach guy. And so he'd go out to all the different, you know, he'd spend a lot of time with the football team and I actually played with him. Yeah. And he's like, hey man, I was at 20 something at the time. And he's like, hey, you want to go grab a beer? And I'm like, you can't have a beer. You're, right. you're like, uh, you know, involved in campus outreach. He's like, just because I'm involved in campus outreach doesn't mean I can't enjoy a beer. It doesn't mean right. I can't do that. And I kind of saw that and I was kind of introduced to that at a relatively young age. And so it was kind of a natural progression. When I came to Seacoast and I saw you guys and I was like, all right, bad Christian. Okay, well, and I, I went, did some more research on it because whenever right. I get into stuff, I, I go back and do some research on what I like about it or, or, you know, how you guys got started. And I saw the whole bad Christian and I, I thought that makes a lot of sense because if that's how, if that's how you guys are, if that's how you have been, there's no point in faking that, yeah. you know, outside of it. Now, I totally understand both of you being in, in front of the, the church can't be letting F-bombs drop right. in, in front of the congregation. That's just not going to work. Right. But it's it totally makes sense to me, and I don't have a problem with it, of you guys being yourselves. And I think that, more than anything, opens you up to being more relatable because people that are my age are— you know, we're much more about transparency. I'm on right. the borderline millennial here. Right. And there's so much more um, need and a want for transparency than there is to say, well, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't cuss. I've never right. had a beer. I've never, you know, done any of this mm-hmm. stuff. And so I don't think that, uh, I don't think in any way that it's hindered you guys. And in, in, you don't find Joey dualistic, like, oh, there's this, but that, like, you don't make, you, this doesn't in turn make you feel like he's phony on Sunday when no. you see him being like, a reg, acting like a regular pastor, though. No. Is what some people Not would, at all. I, I don't think it makes you phony at all. I think that it, um, I think that it, like I said, brings, brings character to it and it doesn't set you apart. You know, I think a lot of times, uh, you see the, the, leadership of the church and they're almost on a on a pedestal and they're mm-hmm. on a different right. level of like yeah. you do not see me on a pedestal well, when you walk yeah, in you, you are literally below us <laughs> if, so. <laughs> if you listen to our podcast a lot and go to joey's church that i mean that really is the yeah, recipe so for like the depressed the least he, reverence right. and respect you could possibly have for a pastor would be that this situation you, uh, I, I told these guys i was i was a part of an interviewing process for a new campus pastor at a different campus. So oh, I was man. one of the guys that was asking the questions. Man. This guy walks in and uh, the the dude that's in charge, he says, I don't know if you know these guys. This is Joey. Blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I totally know Joey. He's just like, I listen to his podcast. Automatically, I'm like, I'm not <laughs> this guy up here that's interviewing him. All of a sudden, he sees he sizes me up. He's just like, yeah, I know this piece of shit eye right to here. Eye, eye to eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, go to people. Go to Amazon. If you're into true sports stories, go to Amazon. And uh, it's Believe EG21. Author Mike McCann. Thanks for being here with us, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Mike. having me. Guys. Appreciate it, Mike. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, it was good to have a friend in our in, in your garage, Toby, just to kind of chill, kick back, and hear about his book, man. And it's yeah. like a little local story, man. Cool. How do y'all know Mike, Joey? Uh, he goes to our church, volunteers un, under Toby's supervision, so I'm surprised he still goes to our church. But he's he's a great guy, and it it, it really is neat that you know he kind of set his mind. I'm going to write a book on this story nobody else has, so hell, I'm going to do it. Good for him. Yep, for sure. Hell yeah.
Thanks, Mike. <sighs> All right. Well, guys. Now, Mike's book was based on a true story, It right? was based on a true yeah. story. It's yeah, got me motivated and excited. Yeah. And uh, so I'm ready to bring some truth myself. I mean, you're, is your news based on a true story? It is the story. It is the story. It is the story, yeah. which is always true. All right, Matt, kick the music. In a world where even though you're a thousand miles away, you wish you could be farther from the nasal voice <laughs> that is in his garage in Charleston. My name is Toby Morrell. It's the damn news. Joey, I want you to stay with me. This is a, what my first news story is way above your brain level. Your brain is not going to be able to handle it. It's, it's not it's a lifetime movie. Grade. It's not a lifetime movie. The Holy Spirit might not shake you. It might, but just stay with me for one second. This comes from Higher's perspective. Scientists believe they have just discovered a parallel universe. Wow. Joey, stay with me. Joey? Are you still? Stay with us, Joey. Stay with us. Is there churches started there? There might be churches there, Joey. Let me read the article. It's crazy what they talk about. Yeah. Matt, sorry well, about your grandma, by the way. Go ahead, Toby. They talk about <laughs> outreach and stuff in this, in the parallel universes. Scientists believe that they, and I, I think I said it was from high, higher perspective, scientists believe they may have caught a glimpse of a parallel universe bumping against ours. They've seen hints and signals from most distant points in the universe. According to researchers, uh, Dr. Ranga Ramachari examined the noise and, uh, and a residual signals in the cosmic microwave background left over from the Big Bang and found a number of scattered bright spots, which he believes may be signals of another universe bumping into our, our own billions of years well, ago. Well, 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 At least that's well. the tentative conclusion researchers have come to. According to some cosmological theories, collisions of alternative universes should be possible Theories conclude that our universe is like a bubble among many. Once a universe begins in a Big Bang-type setting, it never stops expanding. That goes for all the universes, so it makes sense they'd periodically bump into one another. They're all likely in a row, say researchers, vibrating, bouncing around, and rubbing upon each other. And it goes on for a little while, but Matt, what, have you heard more about this? Like, I, I, I mean, Dr. Chari believes this, that this that the signal he re- he's received indicate that the other universe is extremely different from our own. Mm-hmm. He says it could have a ratio of subatomic particles called photos and baryons that are about tenfold greater than in our universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what any of that means, but he's just saying, so let me see if I can figure this out in layman's terms. And Joey, I'm trying to help you out here too. Basically there, what, when, a, when they say the big bang theory, right. Yep. And then the universe is expanding, right. The thing I never can understand is what is on the outside of the universe. Seriously, Where, how is it? Okay. How is it is expanding? Well, look, I, somewhere? I mean, I, I, does that mean there's something? There's, there's plenty of something. stuff to talk about here without having to go I've into. I've looked for that answer on GodTube, and they don't have it there. <laughs> GodTube has a no search I, results. You don't know how hey, long that. I've searched GodTube. <laughs> can't find nothing. And can't <laughs> find a damn thing about anything <laughs> science. <laughs> well, without luckily, I won't have to answer the difficult questions about this since you're asking the simple ones. So the baryons and those things are subatomic particles, all that stuff. But let's just talk about what the just the the whole notion of expansion of the universe is a pretty crazy in itself. Sure. And that if the universe is expanding, this is an analogy they use in science books and stuff to explain. So imagine you have a uh, loaf, of, you're baking a, a loaf of raisins. Can you bread. say Joey's stomach? Can it's, you use Joey's yeah. stomach? So this is going to go in Joey's stomach later. But imagine a, a raisin bread you're going to make. 
So it starts as is a dough, and it's it's gonna it has yeast in it, and it's gonna expand in the oven. Right. So in that dough, there's a bunch of raisins. So yes. those raisins you could just say are galaxies or solar right, systems sure. or planets or whatever. So when you put the thing in the oven, yeah, it, the the bread is gonna expand. So every single point in the raisin bread, all each raisin in there is gonna go farther away from each other raisin. Sure. So it'll all be moving, it'll all be expanding, it'll all be growing, and every point, every single raisin will be getting farther and farther away from each other raisin right. at all times. In fact, the raisins that are farther away from each other will be expanding from each other at a faster rate than the ones that are close together. And so that's a good okay. model of the universe. But still, that doesn't answer my question. At least you know there's an oven where the bread is sitting. That's right. What? Are the universe is sitting in okay. to be able so, to expand? Toby, I'm right there with you, man. And I don't thank I, you, Joey. I can't find right, the so, answer in Genesis either. So <laughs> answers in Genesis will solve that one. They've got tons of articles. So if between so between here and Mars, they're in the, There is empty space, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what what is in the empty space between here and Mars? Hey, wait a second. I'm tuning this, the rest of this out. Toby said Nephilim. Now it makes sense to me. <laughs> Anything is possible with Nephilim. But what 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 is in the empty space between here and Mars? All I know is it's called space, but right. it's nothing. It's some kind of vacuum or something. Right. The, what, what I'm saying is all, anything that you know of when you talk about things, you're talking about matter, right? Right. And matter is made of atoms, right. hydrogen, helium, whatever. So between here and Mars, other than intermittent molecules or space dust or, or actual particles, right? there is nothing. There are not. There's not a, a, a set of atoms between there. So there literally is nothing between here and Mars, except for... A, a few assorted things that are there or shoot through or right, pa- like an asteroid or something might right. go through, but which is made of matter. Right. But there, but the fabric of the space itself, there's no material there. Even, even just between here and Mars, not but to it, mention outside it, the galaxy. See, or that's so hard for me to understand, though, because you can still go right. there, but you won't be in, you if you were there, you would be the only matter, atomic matter. Oh, there. okay, that makes sense. But but what is it made out of? The what is space fab, space fabric has to be something, even if it's not matter, right? Yeah. Well, it, if you if you if you talk about space fabric itself, now you're in, into you know I, I suppose now we're talking about the four dimensional space fabric of time. But there, it, but what what you're saying traditionally is everything's made of something. Like the atmosphere's got air in it. There's everything you're talking about is stuff. You're referring to matter. And between the planets and outside of the galaxies and between here and Andromeda, there's not, it's not made up of matter. So is it made up of something else? It, it, you wouldn't define it as physical matter, at least. So okay. does, it have, does it have a shape? When we talk about universes have shape, like the yeah. bubble and stuff right. like that, maybe. But if so, we're still not, we're not talking about anything that you know as stuff. So, so beyond the farthest particle of the raisin bread out there, there there's no stuff beyond it, just like there's no stuff between here and Mercury. Would that work for more of like a like a cinnamon non raisin filled bread? Like same thing holds true. Yep, same like thing holds analogy. true. Cool. Exactly. It's interesting stuff, man. I tell you what, it is interesting stuff. The multi universe deal. Now I'm a oh, little bit man. disturbed. Yeah, we didn't get into the multi universe because that's the other thing too. Is when they say they're all in a row, why do they think that? Like, I don't. I don't know. I have no. And idea. when they say expanding, are they talking about a certain direction? Like they're just going out straight, long, and then they're just kind of beside each other. Well, I, I don't. I, I really don't know. That that's beyond me. But here's something I do think about. I'm a little sidetracked now thinking about it because. Uh, do you remember earlier when we were watching that Creflo Dollar video about mm-hmm. his having a jet? Yeah. 
if this is true, what you're saying about the parallel universe, yeah. he needs something like forty trillion dollars <laughs> for a particle accelerators to start doing research and. You know what I mean? We've awesome. got some real money to raise if there's parallel universes out there. If I find you know, out you hear what parallel I'm saying? universe, I'm going to ask I mean, we got a long way to, That's what I'm saying. We're going to need trillions of dollars and, and billions of billions of kilojoules of energy that we got to raise for Creflo because he's got to get there. I mean, he said spaceship, but he was thinking small. Yeah. And I tell you, you our don't think big. our guy's big. He said jet. And then he thought ahead to spaceship, but we we got to go way farther yeah, than the spaceship got, can go. He's got tiny dream syndrome, man. Yeah. He's got I know. Think he's thinking small. We got to go wormhole here. I know. <laughs> We're at multi now. He, he's not doing multi. He's he's got to move on from multi-site campus. Multi-site campus, multi-universe. please. We call multi-universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know that was a heavy one to start with, but I just I, it, that, that whole idea is so interesting to me. Like the idea of there even needing to be like what is the, the whole idea of there was a big bang here and this universe started right, but now they're saying there might and don't they say there's like a certain most people like in there kind of some kind of theory now there's like seven or eight multi universes it's not like unlimited like yeah, I don't know like you know that TV show with what's his face or whatever I forget what it's called Big the, Bang Theory no the Wizard World <laughs> no there was one TV show where they were they could flip into other universes and you know like there's that theory that oh Flying whenever, House. Any other, you can make a decision, and then you go the other way, and it's another universe or whatever. I don't think that people actually believe that's true, but there actually are just other universes that are I got no problem saying you're beyond me there. I got no no further commentary on it. Well. Sorry, can't help you. Well, hey, man, with with Mimi passing away and stuff, like, we get it. Yeah, I've been really foggy lately. (laughs) Um, Okay, I thought this was really interesting. I saw this, and it was on BuzzFeed. But uh, a plus-size model just got signed to a major agency and people are stoked you know why why because the plus size model this gives me hope at 40 years old is a male wow and then I, and i really did start thinking about it. the only time you see plus size male models is for the big and tall store but mm-hmm. you like and nobody ever feels bad about that like david beckham with tall. his shirt off selling cologne nobody ever said that's not the right way that men you know, shouldn't have to look at that. They shouldn't have to try to get to that level yep. and their body and all this stuff. I want to see real men without makeup and with the chest hair and the body hair and all that. Like, no, nobody ever feels bad for men. So I thought it was kind of interesting um, that there's a new model. IMG model just introduced a new plus size men's division called Braun. <laughs> when I was young, That's man, better than, yeah, I know the worst thing ever in the history of the world is being a big kid, which I was. And I had to get husky size yeah, husky. pants. They didn't even say the size. It would have been way better just to have a bigger number than to have to get husky. My, my, I remember my mom going, where are your husky pants? And we were like, JC pants. I was like, damn it. Mom, don't call them that. Not this is all, my that, friends. The, it, 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 I mean, it might have been, I wish it would have been called fat ass. I would have felt better. Or at least it would have made me think something. I don't know. It's terrible. Well, you know, I, I don't I don't know if you're done reading that or not. But no, I'm not, man. Okay, go ahead. Ivan Bart, president of IMG Models, told WWD, Braun has a body positive message. Braun is physical strength. The bigger you are, the, you, know, you know, he big, he going to be strong. The first person signed to their new division is Zach Miko, who has gained attention in the past for being Target's only plus-size model. Bart said he signed Miko, who is 6'6", and has a 40-inch waist because he was relatable 
but still represented fashion. Uh-huh. Everyone wants to wear great clothes and everyone wants to look fashionable. We have to start by asking for more options. Well, you bring up a point that you're saying that men aren't don't complain as much about the fact that they are objectified. But you do, you're right, right. You see good-looking men and David Beckham and these people all the time, but we don't often complain about being marginalized. I've heard way, a million times how when when women are photoshopped, that it just gives the wrong idea to women that this is what the the thing. Well, you I, say it's both I, genders. I am fully. Huh? My whole life, I've I'm supposed to look just shredded. Yeah, and if not, I'm not. But you don't hear me going, uh, well, you know, I'm I'm. I mean, yeah. all I'm saying is nobody nobody feels bad for me that hot guys are on magazine covers. Right. No one's ever felt bad That's for me. Interesting. Well, I was thinking about it because I I've been watching what the UFC fights lately. The yeah, Ronda and Holly Holm, and then the last one was the Conor Misha McGregor. Tate oh, and uh, Holly Holm oh, yeah, yeah. fight. And every time they do it, I think, man, those are really. That's, I mean, they're fighters, but this the all these marketing's pretty sexy. I right. Think. And then I thought about, I was like, that that sucks that like our female fighters have to be sexy or whatever. But then I was like, wait a minute. All the shots of the guy fighters are looking like badass and sexy too. Right. Totally. So it's not like at first I felt like, man, that sucks that it's fighting, but they're trying to use sex to sell the fighting or whatever. And then I just thought, no, they do that with the guys too. It's just exactly the same. Yes. So my first impulse was sympathize with the, you know, ultra progressive thought process. And it's like, no, I mean, they they want Conor McGregor when they're making Conor McGregor's picture. the, The idea is make him look hot as possible so as many right. men and women will think he's super attractive that's the goal oh, period yeah so if, if he could have a sexy if it's tough to be whatever it is so well i mean there's no different yeah, yeah like think about even tv shows they always have like the good looking guy that's like you know mm-hmm. what i mean think about uh, think about full house they had normal guys oh wait uncle jesse's just hot as hell yeah. looking good sexy guy he's the guy that everybody whoa you know, and all the way everybody thought he's so great oh man yeah. a really cute guy that loves kids and stuff i mean people eat that shit up it's unbelievable yeah. so it's just, it's, it's kind of goes both ways there yeah it's total double standard all i'm saying i i am fully on board now one thing i did think about today how many like there's a lot of women now that's like i'm don't photoshop me on stuff don't you think it's probably way more? It's like, yeah, Photoshop. Oh, Photoshop the shit out of me. For <laughs> Photoshop sure. my yeah. ass. Yeah. Photoshop that ass, please. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's a little, you know. I, well, a, that's when people but, say it's like being on TV. Like, it does not matter. If you were going to be on TV, it's time to go to the makeup chair. Right. It's time to, well, first of all, if you were going to be on TV, you would dye it unreal for right. the six weeks prior. Yep. Any human would. And, it, you know, it's about, like, if you had any ability to control the way you come across, in that way, you totally would. Everybody would. Yeah. By the way, the, you know the thing about TV adding pounds? Yeah. They say, oh, the, t- the camera adds 20 pounds. You know that's not true, right? Oh, why? Oh, you sure? I thought I'm it positive it's not true. The, the, all that means is people that are on TV are skinny as shit and good looking. Yeah, they and are. And you take a regular person and put them on TV, <laughs> yeah. they look fat and ugly. Yeah, that's true. That's all it means. It just means that if you see Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox <laughs> and whatever, anybody on Friends on TV, there's if you like if you see a celebrity in real life right. the, that you think looks like you, that you identify with, when you see him in real life, you go, damn, he's skinny. So yep. what I'm saying is You're everybody right. that gets in front of, that makes it to in front of a camera is 20 pounds lighter. It's not that the camera, and then to put a regular person in front of the camera, you think they camera has 20 pounds that ain't true i think that's skinny a good people point, get in front Matt. of the camera good is point. actually what's going on there yeah you put that's joey a way to make yourself of, feel yeah, good every time i've seen joey in front of a camera it's unbelievable right it's devastating well that's what, me yeah, and that's, you. that's why they had to joey stands beside me and you when we take a picture 
Yeah. I just, I'm like, good. God. Know, that's why they had to invent both uh, IMAX and 4K video was <laughs> when we started with, for Joey. Come on now. All right, we got time <laughs> for one more? Sure, if you got a quick one, let's do it. I'm ready to go All home. Right. This is from a roving reporter. I think this is our good friend Luke Rogers, by the way. Clown smoking meth at Georgia Waffle House arrested on drug charges. I am scared of clowns. It does freak me out. That is a weird fear that I have. I saw some movies a long time ago about clowns when I was little, and it was really devastating to me. Clowns just always seem like bad people, and they wear the makeup stuff so they can hide from you know the government, the police. That's stupid. A man was arrested. This is in Athens at the downtown Waffle House early Tuesday morning after an employee called police to complain that a man in a clown costume suit had smoked methamphetamine at the restaurant's counter. When responding to the complaint at about 4.40 a.m., a dispatcher provided a description of the suspect, a white male about 30 years old who had red hair and who was wearing a clown suit, according to the report. When officers arrived, they learned the suspect was in a locked restroom. After the Waffle House employee unlocked the door, officers found the man inside uh, inside the restroom. Officers escort, escorted the man to the dining room area where he admitted ownership of a bowl with residue that was on the counter. Upon searching the man, officers found LSD wrapped in foil and rolling papers. In his booth contained a jar of mushrooms, a jar of pot, a digital scale, and a gold keepsake box that he held some they held some more pot and identified white powder. And basically they got him. But I was just thinking how many times I've been out late at Waffle House and seen some crazy, crazy shit. Maybe not that crazy, but this this story is clearly not that crazy, this story is yeah. clearly propaganda because Waffle House is amazing. It's the best. And then two, this redheaded clown, um, I think he's a pioneer for, you know, medical meth. I think you got to legalize it everywhere medically. You're right. You know, we did the marijuana thing. That's fine. But surely soon we'll all have medical meth for certain health problems, right? Yeah. It's got to help with something. Is meth, is that like crystal meth? Is that just for getting high? Like there's no medical use for that. Meth is the bad one. Like it, it destroys you bad. And, but, but people invented that just to get high, right? Like it, it, it never like helped you with like, well, it's super unnatural. Like it, it comes from chemicals and stuff in the first place. It's not like plant based or whatever. Right. So mess out there and a redheaded clown is freaky. All clowns in general. Y'all don't have any fears like that. Like clowns or something. I don't normally have any fears, but that is something that, that definitely gets me for sure. You, really, Joe, you don't have, any, so you don't have any fears like that. You don't have any fears like that. There's not something weird that you're just like, ah, I am kind of scared of that. Roaches. Well, dogs. Roaches. I'm not dogs. afraid of roaches. dogs. No, you're petrified of dogs. I'm I mean, not. You do I don't you trust hurt dogs. Them. That doesn't mean I'm scared of them. <laughs> I don't Joey, trust them. Out of anybody I've ever known, you try to hurt dogs more than anybody I've ever and known. And dogs are trustworthy. When they try to bite my son. They never have tried to bite your son. I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's the damn news all right well the damn news in this podcast episode was brought to you by break it down podcast starring matt carter all right (laughs) matt thank you for sponsoring this appreciate it that's an expensive spot i need the money yeah definitely no i i I will say man the uh trambino interviews gold yeah trambino (laughs) trambino Love it. <laughs> Trambino was such a good one, man. <laughs> Badass.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.